Welcome to the Humanity Matters broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. This is the podcast where we wrestle with the important question, what does it mean to be human? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Dr. Philip Fletcher, and I'm here for my annual event, I guess what you call, called Ask Dr. Phil Anything. Well, almost anything. I put out to people opportunity for them to ask me any question that they want. Uh, well, almost any question uh, regarding leadership, nonprofits, social issues, faith, sports, anything. And so uh, it's your opportunity to ask me a question. I got a bunch of questions that were sent to me uh, in my inbox, emailed to me, texted to me. And so uh, for the next uh, few moments, I'm going to take an opportunity to answer those questions and to see, uh, have you see what's going on in my head and mind. And so it's going to be kind of different than how I've usually communicated on Facebook just a little insight about myself. First, I've uh, chosen not to post any more of my thoughts or reflections or anything like that on Facebook uh, for 2019. Uh, you can go to my website, philipfletcher.org, to uh, read about why. But in essence, I wanted to uh, contribute to uh, more of a dialogue that is helpful with people. I think with social media for many persons, uh, it's their opportunity to have what I call social media courage, uh, be able to say things that they would not normally say to somebody face-to-face. Uh, I want people to be able to talk about hard things, things that matter to them uh, in a way that is humanizing, that affirms their dignity and worth. And I've found many times that when people try to uh, do that on social media, uh, it descends into chaos. And so um, I've chosen now to take a different approach. Uh, second, um, you know, it's been, I think, a very good year. And this is a segue actually into uh, one of the first questions that was sent to me is what did I learn uh, about myself this year? Uh, what I've learned about myself this year is I've gotten older, 45 years old, um, learning to adjust as a husband and a dad, I have a son off in college and uh, learning what it is to kind of let go of some things and have him uh, stand on his own two feet. He goes to Henderson State, so it's an hour and a half from where I'm at in Conway, Arkansas. Uh, what I've learned about myself is to be patient. Uh, spent the last year working with people to raise money for uh, my nonprofit coho, City of Hope Outreach, and specifically Hope Village. And we closed and broke ground on the land on Monday. And so that's been a long process of hearing yeses and hearing no's. And what do you do with those no's? And I found out uh, more about myself that I am thankful for the yeses, but I'm equally thankful for the no's. And I think it's important that uh, whatever you are doing in life, whether that's family, personal stuff, or whether you're seeking to do a small endeavor or a large endeavor, uh, that you prepare your heart and your mind to hear not only the yeses, but that you hear the noes as well. And then how are you going to uh, respond to the noes? And so I found myself uh, no longer responding to the noes and, you know, my head down or, you know, why people don't like me or why they don't like this idea. Uh, but now I own the no and say, hey, you know what? Thank you for that. And I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to learn from that no. Uh, I'm going to treasure it just as much as someone said yes to me. And it has, it's not an indictment on me. It's not an indictment on my idea. It's just the fact that, hey, you know what? You just don't want to take a part in this opportunity. And maybe at some point you will later. And so uh, that's some of the things that I've learned about myself uh, this year. I finished my PhD. And so that was a relief. Uh, back in May in organizational leadership, so I'm thankful for that. Um, what else I learned about myself? Um, that I can push my body. Um, one of my hobbies is fitness, and so 
been thankful to uh, find a team. What's going on, Zeno Fitness? Uh, to be able to work out with and to spend time with and people who have common uh, vision and goals about health. And so, hey, it's been good. So uh, I'm going to pick apart some of these questions. I'm just going to take these questions as they were sent to me. I'm not going to, um, I'm just going to take them as they are. If you have a question or you want follow up on a question that uh, was given to me, hey, we will uh, engage in this discussion. And so I just want to say hello to everybody. Once again, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram uh, as well. If you have a question, go ahead and send it to me and I will um, take it as it comes. So uh, the second question that was sent to me is, what are your thoughts on Trump? Will he survive? <sighs> so when I answer these questions, I'm going to just I'm pretty much going to give you what I think, okay? Um, I'm not going to uh, muddy the waters or anything like that. I think uh, Donald Trump as a president and a leader has been a dumpster fire. Um, over these last two years, uh, in, in comparison to other presidents that um, I can remember, uh, the earliest president I can remember is... Ronald Reagan, uh, and, and moving forward, uh, Donald J. Trump, his leadership uh, publicly, I don't know what he's doing privately, but publicly, it is a dumpster fire. And I cannot wrap my mind uh, around how this man uh, speaks the way he speaks to people, um, communicates the way he communicates on social media, specifically Twitter. Everybody knows that's his means of communication to the masses. Uh, some of the decisions that he makes, it is a dumpster fire. Now, he got elected president. He was elected. He won the electoral college. Uh, whereas, you know, he didn't win the popular vote. You know, our constitution, uh, supports the electoral college, not popular vote. And that's the man that America, the majority of Americans, by electoral college votes, notice I say not popular votes, but electoral college votes, uh, decided for him to be president of the United States. Now I understand, even in the context of why um, Donald J. Trump was elected president of the United States, there are many people, and some would argue, uh, disaffected, uh, white Americans, especially in middle America, who felt left behind uh, by democratic policies. Uh, they were feeling marginalized. Uh, they were feeling left out. That sounds familiar. Um, and they wanted something different. Um, Cornell West caused something like that. Uh, the, I mean, I'm going to use a different term. The 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 blackening of white America, where they felt alienated, where they felt um, marginalized, where they felt left out. And so because of that, in that context and others, um, some thought that America was moving too far to the left because of uh, President Barack Obama's policies and leadership, that they wanted something to correct it and bring it right. And in some cases, I think it's moved just a little bit too right. Um, but all that to say, um, my thoughts on him is, uh, I think his leadership is a dumpster fire. Uh, he is a man. I'm not going to disrespect him, but you can evaluate his leadership, and his leadership is poor. Uh, I said I wish he, somebody would take his phone. I wish somebody would uh, lock, lock him out of his Twitter account, but it is what it is. That's the way he communicates. Now, Will I think, will he survive? Now, um, what I think is implied in that question is whether or not he will be impeached. Um, I don't think he colluded with Russians. There's been no evidence of that. Uh, there's no bit evidence presented, excuse me. Um, what they have found is, you know, recently uh, these payments with uh, this porn star and this other porn star uh, prior to his election during his campaign and uh, the discussion of whether those are impeachable offenses. Um, there is a discussion of, of can you 
a charge as sitting president. And what I've read and studied is as of right now, the Department of Justice has said, no, you can't. So um, you would have to impeach him. But you got to find out what you're impeaching him for. Uh, then he has to be convicted in the Senate. That's the process. Uh, I remember Bill Clinton, you know, he was impeached, but he wasn't found guilty. So in the same uh, vein, uh, you know, Donald Trump would have to be impeached. Uh, articles of impeachment had to come from the House, and then he'd be tried in the Senate. And, you know, if he's found guilty, fine. Then you could then, I guess, charge him with other crimes uh, that he did. So, will I think, will he survive? I, I think so. Be quite honest with you. I think he will survive. Will I, Will he survive to... Get a second term? I don't know. Uh, personally, I hope not. That doesn't mean I want somebody a Democrat. Doesn't mean so I want somebody a Republican. Um, I'm just saying, uh, I don't know if he'll make it through a to a second term to be elected for a second term. But that is uh, what that is. Um, hey, what are your hobbies? So my hobbies, what I like to do, I like to read. I like to write. I like to watch movies. I'm a big superhero fan, so comic books. I like to collect comic books. Uh, I've been geeking out, you know, with Marvel and all of their movies that have been coming out over the last 10 years. I cannot wait for Endgame to come out. Uh, I get real nerdy about that stuff. Kind of disappointed about DC. Saw Aquaman last night. It was okay. It was kind of long. Uh, but... You know, overall, I think Jason uh, Momoa brought it home as usual uh, regarding Aquaman. I hope they can do some more with that. I, I wish they would have just cut it down just a little bit. Uh, and I think it would have been a excellent movie. I give Aquaman like a 7.5 out of 10. But I wish Justice League would have been a lot better. I was really looking forward to that. Um, so other hobbies, I like to work out, like I said. Uh, Jim is part of my release just to get my uh, head cleared and to focus on my physical health, you know, focus on my spiritual and mental health, but it's also important to focus on your physical health as well. I like to spend time with family. Um, so pretty much my hobbies, I'm kind of a, well, I'm not kind of, I'm an introvert. So I like to spend, you know, a lot of time by myself, you know, being around a lot of people gets me tired and weighs me down. Uh, so there's times where I just like to be quiet. Uh, so those are my hobbies. Another question, LeBron and the Lakers. So I was born in Kentucky, lived there till I was 10, Louisville, Kentucky. And then me and my family, when I was 10, we moved to Southern California, Riverside. And that's where I grew up. And so I became a Lakers fan. So I was there doing Showtime, No Time, Kobe and Shaq. The breakup of Kobe and Shaq, the return of the Lakers just under Kobe, and then, you know, their slide, and then when Kobe retired and nailed that retirement with 60. So I've been a diehard Lakers fan uh, from beginning to end. Now, I'm a diehard Kobe Bryant fan. I love the way uh, he plays basketball. Uh, I loved his killer instinct, you know, his Black Mamba and all that kind of stuff. Just some great thoughts and actions and... He's a very thoughtful person, <clears throat> even when he did that dumb stuff, uh, unfortunate stuff um, in Colorado, uh, which was very unfortunate. Um, he fought back from that and, um, you know, established himself as a strong family man. And, you know, he's an Oscar winner now and all that. But, hey, LeBron, yeah. So, at first, I didn't think LeBron was going to come to the Lakers because, you know, Kobe Bryant has only been out of retirement, I think, two years now. Uh, and so, you know, he's still in that shadow of Kobe and um, those two championships he brought. And then the previous three with Shaq that Kobe won with Shaq. Um, but, hey, he was looking. I think LeBron is looking for that next stage. You know, it's it's Hollywood. It's L.A. It's entertainment. It's all that kind of stuff. So it makes sense why he moved there. Um, they're like number five right now in the conference. So, hey, that's some pretty good stuff. So I'm hopeful uh, that we can bring some rings 
uh, back to L.A. again. And, you know, if it's LeBron that does it, awesome. If Anthony Davis comes and helps, awesome. If Kawhi Leonard comes, awesome. So, you know, I like basketball. Um, so those are my thoughts on LeBron and uh, the Lakers. All right, next question here. All right, I'm very bothered by how I think we are losing our country, especially as more illegals are coming. What are your thoughts? All right, so I take all questions. Um, I have all types of people that interact with me. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a hard question right here. But we'll pick it apart. So um, let's set a, a, con a context here. I think it's very important that we set a context about our young nation. Um, our nation is not that old, if, if people would pay attention. Our nation, uh, you know, founded 1776, but there were people here before that. And as a result, um, America was colonized and settled by mainly uh, persons of British descent, you know, slaves were brought over. Hello. Um, and then there was also persons here uh, from Mexico. So that's California um, and all other locations. California, New Mexico, Arizona, so on and so forth. So there were people that were already here. And then other people came. All right. Why did those other people come? So, thank you for public school education, right? So, public school education or government education, as I call it now, um, teaches us that, you know, people from Britain, all right, the British Empire, all right, were leaving there uh, for religious reasons, sorry to settle the new land, that's what they called it, all right, from their perspective, it was the new land. And from there, uh, they sought to declare their independence uh, from the King of England and then establish these United States of America. So, you know, immigration happened, okay? Now, from my readings and understandings, I minored in Native American um, history back in college. My major was African American history, and then uh, I had a minor in Native American history. You know, for Native Americans, you know, the land was the land. You know, they were tied to the land. And so, you know, this idea of, you know, what we've got today and is manifested today in property, like this is my property and this is your property and this is your county and state and so on and so forth. They didn't have that conception. You know, it was, uh, they were part of the land and land was a part of them. And so, uh, how we understand immigration, how they would have understood immigration is completely two different worldviews, right? Needless to say, um, this land was settled and colonized, all right? And it was settled and colonized. Uh, history records uh, that the, uh, the existing people here were expelled from the land, and in some cases exterminated, okay? Um, and so if you, if, you, if you follow these three E's that I like about America's history, uh, there was expulsion, there was extermination, and there was enslavement. And that's what we stand on today. Um, it's not just the clean, cookie-cut, um, you know, this is a Christian nation, you know, founded, you know, by God's design and sovereignty and all that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, you know, there's elements of Christian thought in the founding documents. But equally, uh, these three E's, our nation is founded off of extermination, expulsion, and enslavement. Um, and that's historical fact. Um, expulsion, extermination, and enslavement. Um, so how do I feel, or what are my thoughts on, uh, persons who are coming to our country? Second, <clears throat> Constitution of the United States, 
I think it's very important. So immigration law and policy is to be executed by the president, but it's to be put out through legislation by the Congress. Okay? So that's the Constitution. The president executes the laws. The Congress writes the laws. Uh, Supreme Court makes sure these laws are constitutional. All right? So separation of powers. So... um, my thoughts on this is we have to ask ourselves, and I'm going to ask a larger question, um, it, are the laws that are existing, are they being followed? I think that's a good question to ask. We have to ask ourselves, why not? Second question we got to ask ourselves is, are people taking advantage of those laws? So I'm talking about people outside the country, as well as people who live inside this country. All right? So, if you want to prosecute people who are breaking the law by coming into this country illegally, are you equally willing to have those businesses and individuals be prosecuted as well with the full force of the federal government if they are hiring persons that are not uh, legal, if they are um, acting as coyotes to bring people to our country uh, illegally. I ask, are you willing to do that as well? You know, you want to hold people outside the country accountable. Are you willing to hold people inside the country accountable to uh, the laws that have been passed by Congress and supposed to be enforced or executed by the President of the United States? Um, it's both and. Uh, what do I think about you losing your country? So then I would ask back, how do you think Native Americans felt losing their country, their land? I think that's a question we need to ask. Because um, your prosperity, your um, legacy sits on somebody else losing their home, uh, losing their way of life, losing their culture, having... Uh, the way in which they did their exchange or commerce uh, essentially pushed down and, and, and destroyed. And so if that's your fear, uh, you know, empathy, sympathy would say, how do you think others felt? Uh, you know, we get into this case of, you know, why are these uh, men and women uh, coming to the United States? Now, Here's the other side. I think a lot of the men and women that are seeking to come to the United States are being used as political chess pieces. I think Democrats federally are using these men and women as chess pieces. I ask this, why hasn't DACA still been passed? Uh, When Democrats held the White House... The in both houses of Congress, DACA could have been passed, and it didn't. Why? And then you don't hear a push for it anymore. Why? Uh, for uh, Republicans, they used these men and women coming uh, to the United States as political tools as well. You know, the language of, you know, they're aliens, criminals, Terrorists. I haven't seen any terrorists yet come through uh, the United States, uh, but that is what it is. They're bringing diseases and and crime. Needless to say, there's crime already in the United States. Just saying, um, and violent crime already. So even if no crime was brought here by persons that uh, were coming here uh, through these caravans or coming across the southern border, we would still have crime. But the larger question is this. I think a lot of times we need to wrestle with the larger question is I want to have the discussion of how do we view our country? Are we a country that's going to be uh, closed off? Will we be a country 
Uh, that just allows people to come and go as they choose, live where they choose. Um, what would be a country um, that has limited citizenship? Or would we have a country that has a fluid citizenship? Uh, these are the larger questions that we have to ask. I think, ultimately, what does it mean to be a citizen in a particular nation? What does it mean to be a citizen? You have to ask yourself, if a person is able to come across the border, if a person is able to come across the border, um, and they're not a citizen as we understand it, should that person be allowed to vote federally, state, locally? I'm asking. If a person is coming across the border and they're not a citizen in the United States and they pay taxes because of the way, you know, because of them working, should they be able to participate in voting federally, state, locally? So is the question about is it one at one part is it how do we understand ourselves as citizens in the 21st century how do we understand um, ourselves as participating in this society what does it mean to be a citizen what is it that I owe to the society and what is it that the society owes to me and beneath those larger questions we've got to ask ourselves you know what does language mean? Then, if we're having uh, what some articles are described as the browning of the United States of America, what does English look like in the future? What does our culture look like in the future? So I sympathize with the person that uh, feels as if they're losing their country. I do. Um, for the last 200 years, America has been dominantly... In our United States, this country has been dominantly a Western European culture. All right? Everything is judged in light of that. All right? I'm the minority. I hate that word, but I'm the minority. Those who have Caucasian are the majority. So, um, I sympathize with them. When you feel as if uh, what you've been taught and believed is being challenged, your majority as far as political, economic, uh, social, and even religious power is being challenged as more persons are coming into the United States. But the fact of the matter is that we have to have these larger discussions as well as um, these yahoos that are in Congress, need to do their job. They need to do their job. Uh, what would Jesus do? Ashley, that's a great question. So, once again, thanks for the question, Ashley. Um, so, let me ask this, and somebody can answer, okay? When, are we a Christian nation or not? Because how you answer that question impacts everything else that follows, okay? So, if we are a Christian nation, all right? And I have an, another incident that's going on in my head right now that's uh, going on specifically in our county with one of our state senators. Uh, but if we are a, a Christian nation, okay, uh, then that means that the the laws, the leadership, organization, um, structure, everything should flow from a uh, Judeo-Christian perspective, all right? And I can even push it, you know, to the Old Testament, all right? Because, you know, a lot of times people pull from the Old Testament for their examples as to why the government should or shouldn't do things, all right? But as a thought experiment, if America is a Christian nation, okay, then its leadership should be pastoral um, or the role of elders. And so if you look at uh, 1 Timothy, 
or you look at Titus and it lays out the qualifications of an elder, then the president and the Congress should be laid out the same way. Okay, what about our laws? Well, from a Christian perspective, the two great laws are love God with your whole heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, and, and all the law and the prophets are encapsulated uh, into those two things. All right? So, underneath that, what does that look like as far as our laws? Now, if I'm just sticking exclusively to uh, New Testament principles and understanding. So, if you go through Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, um, you have some good examples of some good laws, you know? Now, that gets into marriage, all right? (laughs) So if that's the case, there can be no gay marriage, okay? If it's a Christian nation, um, you go back and forth, that means there can be no uh, divorce and remarriage, okay? If you're a Christian nation, that means as far as taxes go, um, you know, you can make an argument, it can be 10% or it can be whatever you can afford, right? Um, For a Christian nation, if we're looking at the Gospels, all right, there's some things that Jesus laid out that we're going to have to do some things differently. Now, if I want to press that and then move back prior to the incarnation of Jesus Christ, which we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus, hey, on Tuesday, right? So we want to push that back towards the Old Testament and the 600 some odd laws that are laid out uh, in the Old Testament regarding Israel. And then their leadership structure of priest, prophet, and king. Um, then we got a whole new animal to work with. Now, how, what does that look like in regards to immigration? Because I think, Ashley, that's what prompted your question. Uh, in regards to immigration, if we are a Christian nation, okay, then every immigrant who is seeking to, to move here should just move here, period, all right? I was a stranger and you welcomed me, Matthew uh, 25. That's what Jesus said, all right? But in there as well, uh, we should be visiting prisoners. We should be visiting those who are sick. We should be clothing everybody. Uh, So Matthew 25 is not limited just to immigrants, but it's uh, a whole bunch of different people. But needless to say, if we are a Christian nation, then... The government, I would firmly assert that the the government needs to welcome every immigrant, that the government needs to outlaw abortion, all right, that the government needs to be responsible to clothe everybody, that the government is responsible to feed everybody, that the government is responsible uh, to mandate the religious practices of everybody, if we are a Christian nation, okay? Now... The fact of the matter is, uh, we are not a Christian nation um, in that vein, in that regard. Um, we are a constitutional republic, okay? Uh, once again, this is what government schools have taught me, okay? We are a constitutional uh, republic. And so, you know, what does that mean? As being a constitutional uh, republic, what, what that means is we are governed by the United States Constitution. Now, um, I think the Constitution, you know, as a document, it is a pretty... Uh, Good document. It, it had its issues in its formation. All right, you know that. You know my people were considered property. Let's start there. Uh, but that's a whole different discussion. But as a Christian nation, which we are not, all right, um, what governs our laws? Who enforces our laws? Um, it's the United States government. What governs what we do and can't do? It's the Constitution of the United States. Uh, What made the Civil Rights 
uh, era so powerful, Martin Luther King uh, and that group, they appeal to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution in regards to voting rights and civil rights legislation. That's what they appeal to. Yes, it had faith as an undergirding, but the documents that they refer to primarily was the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, and Martin Luther King specifically, you know, he used his prophetic language uh, channeling Micah and the prophets and all of them. So in regards to immigration, okay, once again, um, we can't appeal to the words of Jesus in regards to immigration. We have to appeal to the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution is like, um, you know, we're a society and the society says, hey, this is the, this is the principles, these are the ideas that's going to have our society function. This is what we agree upon. And so I think that's why it opens with we the people. All right. We the people. Um, so as a, a non-Christian nation, we have to ask ourselves, not what would Jesus do? We have to ask ourselves, what does the Constitution say? And now it sounds like, uh, Philip, you sound, you know, you're, no, I'm not. It, it's, the reason I'm saying that is uh, because just like someone of the Christian faith could say, what would Jesus do? Someone of the Islamic faith could say, well, what would Muhammad do? You know, and if they have conflict, which they do, um, they have conflict, then what's the arbor- what decides on the, what decides the final decision? Okay, and so then um, in their wisdom, they came up with the Constitution, you know, in their wisdom, government would establish no uh, religion, okay? You know, so in there, it opens, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to ordain, establish this Constitution for the United States of America, all right? So, in regards to immigration, so that is Article 1, so I'm going there, so we got Election, Section 5, Section 6, Compensation, Amendments, alright, so in Section 8, it lays out what specifically the Congress shall have the power to do, okay? And so it's to lay and collect, tax, collect taxes, to borrow money on credit, to regulate commerce, establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. So section Article 1, Section 8, uh, Subsection 4, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. So it's not Donald Trump's responsibility. It is... Congress's responsibility. It's one of their, what is called, enumerated powers, okay? And anything not given to the federal government, specifically in this document, is reserved to the states. So, the states are um, uh, not responsible to determine what immigration is. It's on Congress and the federal government. Notice in there it doesn't say, what would Jesus do, or what would some religious... Uh, view would do, it says Congress. And so, uh, you know, depending on where you live, you need to talk to your congressman. It's like, hey, what's up with immigration? Right? What is up with immigration? Um, and, and hold them to the fire. So uh, some of the other things we've got here, we should, we should be, but we are complex. All right. Uh, Ashley, I don't think people know what it means to be a Christian, so no, okay? Uh, how would such a Christian nation enforce such laws? Uh, more perfect is continually, meaning it will change, right? Uh, I, I think in that, in in the context of, of what they're describing, uh, canon, as far as a more perfect union, is that I don't, it's never going to achieve perfection, uh, but that uh, as a country, uh, we can work more and more, I guess you want to use the word progress, toward uh, a life that establishes justice, assures domestic tranquility, provides a common defense, promotes general welfare. 
Now, a lot of discussion is, who does the Constitution apply to? Does it apply to the people born here or are citizens here? Or does it apply to everybody? These are these larger questions I think that we have to have, which will, when we answer those, help us move forward. And so, um, you know, it's a more perfect union, you know, a more perfect union established justice. So establishing justice was, hey, people can't be slaves. Establishing justice, hey, women should vote. Okay. Um, provide for the common defense. You know, we've got, you know, the United States military. Okay, that's the responsibility of the federal government. Promote the general welfare. Now, the use of that word welfare is not how we use it today. It's not welfare in the sense of uh, uh, any type of financial remuneration that you may receive from the federal government. Welfare, uh, as it was understood and written back in the uh, time when this Constitution was written, uh, was the general quality of life of people. And so... Um, not necessarily you're taking from one and giving to another or redistribution of, of wealth or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and then our posterity. Our posterity is, you know, your kids and your grandkids. And so from there, the Constitution of the United States of America. Now, I have argued a couple of years ago uh, looking at some other constitutions from around the world, um, that if we want to fix some of these things, we could, and this is in the Constitution, we could amend the Constitution. All right, it's called Article 5. All right, we could amend the Constitution to address things such as uh, immigration and be clearer. Okay, uh, we could amend the Constitution to adjust, address health care to be clear. All right. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, like in Germany's constitution, um, it is clear that abortion is illegal. It's clear. It's in their constitution. All right. Um, it's in their constitution that the government is going to provide education. All right. That's nowhere in our constitution. It, it just isn't. And so um, I'm kind of I'm going to address some other questions people have asked me. Um, and so a lot of the, the problems that we're having uh, is because there's no clarity. Uh, there could be some greater clarity. But that means the society has to agree and presses a representative form of government to have that put in the Constitution or not in the Constitution. So... Uh, constitutionally, um, regardless of how you feel about it, uh, health care for all is not constitutional. What Bernie Sanders proposes, what um, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez proposes, it's not constitutional. Uh, the the Constitution does not grant the federal government the power to run health care. It doesn't. The Constitution does not grant the federal government power to run public education. It doesn't. Now, Article 10. Anything that's not uh, enumerated or specifically given to the federal government is reserved to the state. So now, what's that mean? So, if your state, wherever you wants to, you live in, wants to have uh, socialized medicine, all right, a health care for all, for like say for Arkansas, then the state can do that if the people in that state agree. If Arkansas, Tennessee, Louisiana, Texas all want to come together and create some socialized medicine for their region, right? Agreements between states, then that's their business. Okay. Um, so it's not that people are being mean or greedy or spiteful or any of that in regards to healthcare. People are looking at the constitution and are saying, Hey, that's not constitutional. If a state wants to do that, fine. 
but the federal government can't mandate that. Um, same thing with war, right? I think the Congress should declare war. It shouldn't be to a president. Um, so I think it's helpful uh, in that larger question of are we a Christian nation in regards to um, immigration, we need to, one, read our Constitution, right, on one hand, and look at the things our federal government is doing, and be like, yeah, we shouldn't do that. Like, I don't think anywhere in the federal government says that we have to have federal parks, right? I don't think it does in the Constitution. So we got to look at those things, because then we ask, well, look at all the money that is going from our pocket to the federal government and it is used in however it's being used. What would it look like if a lot of these uh, things that the federal government is doing that they're not constitutionally supposed to be doing anyway were closed and it was given back to the states? We, I think we would have more money. I think that our health care, for instance, would be a lot better because it's more specific uh, to the people that live there. Um, like in Arkansas, obesity is ridiculous, but in some other states, obesity is not really an issue. All right. And so healthcare in Arkansas would be a lot different than healthcare in like a different state. All right. And so people's health, I think would be a lot better. What about education? Uh, the closer you bring education down to the people, uh, the more people would, I think thrive. So I think I spent enough time on that unless somebody else has got another question. So ultimately, I don't think America is a Christian nation because if it is, then you need to be consistent and call for a lot of things that is actually reflective in a lot of theocracies in especially like Muslim type countries like Saudi Arabia. Um, and I don't think people want a theocracy. I don't. I don't because I don't want to live under any one religion's understanding of government. Uh, it's, I think it's dangerous and it's unhealthy. Okay, so... Uh, with that, I'm going to take a, another question, and this question is local, so um, if you don't live in Conway, it's okay, uh, but it's about the A&P Commission, and uh, context, let's pay attention here. So, a couple years ago, City of Conway got a very large Christmas tree, alright, awesome Christmas tree, I think it's, it's the largest in the state, alright, alright. Uh, and it costs some dollars. First couple of times it didn't work, went light up, it was spotty, but then they got it fixed and so on and so forth. Uh, that was purchased through what is called A&P funds, okay? Advertising and promotion funds, okay? Recently, this past, uh, this holiday season, Christmas season now, uh, we got roundabouts. Thank you, Tab. Appreciate you. All right, and in these roundabouts is... Um, they had set up these big Christmas globes, okay? And these Christmas globes, uh, you know, they're pretty big. I think it's like six of them. Uh, and then it's got this uh, Conway logo wrapped around it, okay? So, uh, people have asked, well, why can't that money be used to help the homeless? Why can't that money be used to help with our roads? So on and so forth. So, it's important, once again, that we got to read and understand. So, uh, where did the A&P money come from? Okay, so there is what is called Act 185 of 1965, okay? And what I'm reading from uh, is Ordinance Number 005-142 that was uh, voted on and passed by uh, our city council in Conway, all right? And so, AMP funds, advertising promotion funds, come from taxes that are collected from uh, fast foods, restaurants, hotels, so on and so forth. And I'm going to read it uh, specifically, so bear with me. And I quote, An ordinance to provide for the enforcement and collection of taxes levied by the city upon the gross receipts or gross proceeds derived from renting, leasing, or otherwise furnishing hotel, motel, or short-term condominium rental accommodations for sleeping, meeting, or party room facilities for profit in the city and upon the gross receipts or gross proceeds received by restaurants, 
cafes, cafeterias, delicatesses, drive-in restaurants, carry-out restaurants, concession stands, convenience stores, grocery store restaurants, and similar businesses from the sale of prepared food and beverages from on or off-premises consumption, prescribing other matters pertaining thereto, and declaring an emergency. Okay, so every year the city of Conway collects taxes from uh, Sonic, McDonald's, Stobie's, any of the number of hotels, all right, taxing the gross receipts or gross proceeds, okay? Uh, that money is then uh, provided to the, an A&P fund. In 2018, uh, up till the last numbers I saw posted were November, um, was about $7 million, okay? Uh, that money is then uh, what uh, a organization or a group can do is that they can go to what is called our advertising and promotion uh, commission. And this is a commission that is, uh, uh, you know, selected and voted on by the city council. And these persons sit for a couple of terms and they receive uh, applications uh, to be able to fund certain things. Now, I'm reading from uh, the actual application here. And you can go to City of Conway and get all this information, okay? And you pre present uh, your application by October for funding in the following year. So for, uh, for 2019, the, the application was due October 16th. So what can this money be used for? And here to describe funding types. One, the special event advancement program provided by the Conway Advertising Promotion Commission is designed to help organizations within the Conway area in efforts related to special event development. Assistance may be provided in one or all areas. And here are the three that they outline. Seed money, advertising and publicity, A&P event incentive. All right. The purpose of providing funding is to stimulate tourism and produce a positive economic effect on the businesses of the city of Conway. The event advancement program has limited funds, is not designated to provide total financing for any event or its advertising. However, it serves as an incentive and an endorsement for those organizations that are working toward promoting tourism in the city of Conway. I hope you bear with me. So, seed money. You can ask for up to three years. The first year, you can add 5000 available. Second year, 2500 is available. Uh, third year in an event, 1000 is available. So they're not trying to fund your whole thing. They're just giving you some seed money, okay? Next is uh, advertising and publicity. If an event, advertising, publicity services are granted to your organization, the AMP Commission will advise you uh, on a specific award. Uh, so, you know, you got to imagine... You want to advertise local cable channels, newspapers, radios, billboards, mail-outs, online advertising. And then there's uh, event incentive. Now, mm, where the Christmas tree and the bulbs fall in there, I don't know. Maybe it is, you can make an argument, it's advertising and publicity, the Christmas tree is. Um, you can make an argument... Uh, you know, when people see, you know, coming in town to shop for whatever reason, you know, they see the big tree, they come down, they want to get on the Ferris wheel, uh, they want to take some pictures in front of the tree, so on and so forth. Uh, you can make an argument that's for advertising. Um, I don't know how the globes, the, the, uh, the ornaments in town are advertising because they're so low to the ground. They're on roundabouts. Nobody else knows about them except for people in the city. Uh, so where that would fall, maybe an event, maybe, because it's a holiday. I don't know. You know, you can reach out to your A&P commission about that information. I'm sure it's FOIable. That's Freedom of Information Act stuff. So what does this mean? So it would be helpful. Anytime the city uses these types of funds, understand that these funds are limited to this, advertising and promotion. By law, it can be used for anything else. It can be used to fix roads. 
They just raised our taxes on that. So that is what it is. It can be used to help out uh, homeless individuals or provide services, uh, critical social needs to individuals. It can only be used for advertising and promotion. And some of those funds come from when we go to Chili's or Friday's or Stobie's, so on and so forth. So the, the question that was specifically given to me uh, on this regard, let me get back to my question here. And the question I was asked was this. How do we balance or maybe get the community to accept the balance we have to have in, in where and how government and city money may be spent? I'm referencing, for example, the Christmas ornaments around town. The money used to buy those could not have currently be spent on feeding the needy or building an animal shelter until the law is changed. Those funds must be used to do projects such as this. Make Conway, quote, pretty. Make Conway a draw for people outside the city limits. This might be a bad example of purchase, but hopefully you understand the direction I'm going. There are budgets and funds that are earmarked for specific reasons, and people have to understand they don't like the way those funds are earmarked. You must address it in the proper way uh, in this example of vote to reallocate the funds. So, they ask a, a great question and offer some good insight into, uh, one, us getting an understanding of how city funds are being used. Okay? So, a city government, state government, federal government can only get their money from one part, one group of people. That's people that are working. Okay, so um, city dollars come from men and women that are working, businesses uh, that are operating, um, and the city government levies a tax. All right, by our, repre our representatives, city council levies a tax. And a, a portion comes from our income and is then given to the city so that essential needs and services and things like that can accomplish. So obviously, you know, you're paying the mayor and his, some of his staff or her staff, uh, police, fire, um, sanitation, um, maintenance, things like that. In regards to the A&P, now this was an act that was passed, Arkansas, Act 185, 1965. And then each city, Little Rock, Harrison, Hope, Conway, have, uh, you know, used A&P commissions um, to then access these funds in order to, you know, advertise and promote, you know, bring people to their city, you know, as people come and spend, you know, portion of that money is taxed and then the city can do well then the city can turn back around again and do more advertising and promotion or you know people may want to live move there or businesses may want to come there and so there's some second and third order effects obviously uh from the a and p uh commission and larger the act 185 but uh my questioner is right um it's good to get an understanding of how money is earmarked and what is uh, and how it's supposed to be spent. Uh, but it's also good as well that if you don't like it, that um, we do the hard work of, hey, vote somebody else in or Go to your city council meetings, meet with your mayor, and say, hey, we want to change this. How does this change? So it's, it's helpful uh, to do that. So I would encourage people, if you're that moved about the homeless and their situation, there's some great organizations you can support. Mine, City of Hope Outreach, Bethlehem House, Women's Shelter, Conway Ministry Center, um, if you're that concerned about that much money being spent on trees and ornaments, hey, there's people out there, organizations that need your help. If you want that money 
designated to you know go elsewhere, then you got to do the hard work of working with your city council and since it's an act, 185, working with the legislature, so your state representatives and your state senators, uh, to see what things can be changed. So there's are my uh, thoughts on those. Uh, I got another question, and I have to go to my email to pull this up. I hope people are benefiting from this. Um, and so the question... I've got is one about the two spheres. This has been Humanity Matters, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org, like us on YouTube at Humanity Matters. Or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible.